Welcome to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz, a candid conversation as we learn about types of dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, frontal temporal, and Lewy body, and the effects on the people we love. Jill's years of dedication and experience help you adapt, overcome obstacles, and find positive outcomes. It's time for Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. Well, hello, everybody. I hope you're doing well today. I hope I don't sound like I'm sick. I'm having a little bit of an allergy attack uh, because I'm getting some things done in my home. So bear with me today as I sound just a little bit nasally, I'm afraid. (laughs) Oh, well, it happens to the best of us, right? (laughs) Well, today I thought it might be fun to talk about, you know, people say, I wish I would have had, you know, a book or something to help me when I am working with my loved one or or whoever it is I'm, you know, helping in a care community or something like that. And, you know, kind of using an old phrase, sometimes you just need to be intuitive or get the knack of it. You know what I mean? Just being able to trust yourself and say, all right, I, I, I'm learning this. I'm getting it. You know, it's it's hard most days, but, but what does that mean? And really what it means is that, you know, the skills and the abilities that you need to possess to just be an awesome caregiver, <laughs> which all of you are, I know you're working on it, you're working hard, um, will come to you Really, once you see, you know, how things work and how to approach someone carefully, calmly, and so on and so forth, and then take that take that element of sort of innately knowing how to be kind to someone and expand on it. It's as simple as that. You know, we have to have patience. We have to, we have to do a lot of things to get that, you know, that really good knack of being able to do things well. Don't be hard on yourself. Think to yourself, you know, this is a lot for me to learn. And even if you did have that, you know, highly coveted and wanted uh, book on how to do everything right, um, you can just trust yourself to do it on your own. Just just use what God has given you or whatever you want to call it, you know. I think one of the best things you can do, and I've said this over and over and over again, is just be well informed. Learn about whatever disease you're facing. If it's Alzheimer's, Lewy body, vascular dementia, where someone's had a stroke, um, Parkinson's disease, frontal temporal, whatever it is, right? And learn about that dementia inside and out. That's what I did for my mom. I just read as many books as I could get my hands on. And I've said this over and over. If you want to uh, have, you know, books to read and things like that, for goodness sakes, um, go ahead and check out my website because I have a ton of information on my website of books uh, to read and and uh, I tell you exactly what I think of them and so forth. So do as much as you can. Learn about research. What's going on in research all around the world? There's a lot of good things happening. Uh, just read up on them. Australia's you know, kicking ass and taking names, and they're they're trying to get to a cure as fast as anybody. Uh, right here in Denver, Dr. Huntington Potter was able to get his second round of the leukine trial off the ground and got $7.5 million in funding, which is awesome. Congratulations to them, uh, his whole research group. You know, but learn about research and possible treatments and, and what's coming up. And then, you know, I'll go back and listen to some of my podcasts to get caregiver tips. Wrote, you know, uh, check out some community resources. I have a ton of that stuff on my Knowledge Center on Summit Resilience Training, my website, that can help you. And if you get a chance, just go on and Google, where are some conferences in my area? It might help. You know, there's always something going on. If you've got an academic hospital in your town, um, Go on their website and see if you can sit in on any of the grand rounds where the doctors come in and talk about, you know, what 
is the latest and greatest in research and what they think is causing various diseases and so on and so forth. Those kinds of things help a bunch. And if there's any workshops you can take wherever you live, um, I, uh, I, every, every month on the first Wednesday of the month from 1.30 to 3.30 mountain time, I have, uh, information and classes that you can take and they're free of charge. All you have to do is go on my website and on the front page, sign up for the classes. You know, there's things you can do, workshops you can take, um, study, I mean, study um, reputable work work sites and websites and stuff like that to learn as much as you can. The Alzheimer's Association has a lot of stuff posted on their, on their site. So those kinds of things could be good. Sign up for some newsletters. There's a, there's a zillion newsletters, Parkinson's uh, Association of the Rockies, and, and I'm sure just a Parkinson's group anywhere near you probably has a newsletter that they send out or, uh, you know, like an email blast that they do every so often when they have something new coming up. I know Frontal Temporal, the, uh, it's AFTD dot com, I think, for frontal temporal, the Association of Frontal Temporal Dementia, AFTD, yeah. Uh, and you can go on their site and they send you information constantly. I sign up for all of them and this is what I do for a living. And I get information every single day. So, you know, the... All of those sites recognize that the more that you know about dementia, the less stressful the job of caregiving is going to be. So, you know, jump on these things. Get in get in the trenches and and spend an hour just perusing the internet and see what you can learn, right? So, you know, another thing that you could have a knack of is having empathy. Taking the time to imagine what it would be like to have dementia. I love in in one of the family classes that I have where I have people try to see what it feels like to have Alzheimer's. And uh, I think that that virtual class is incredible. And if you can do that, if you can kind of try and figure out what it feels like to have, you know, whatever dementia that it is you're dealing with, um, it helps you understand the world of the person that's in your care and know how difficult and frightening that life can be when they're freaked out by everything around them, you know, if you, if you practice a little empathy, it, it helps to teach you that many of the person's odd or upsetting behaviors are caused really most of the time by their attempts to make sense of their world, you know, and their world is completely clouded with dementia, with whatever the whatever the memory loss or the cognitive impairment is, just just lose your keys or, or try and find your car in a big parking lot and you don't know where it is, and you can experience that pretty well. I mean, that's just a kind of a classic example, you know? And one of the biggest things you can really think about is maintaining the integrity and the dignity of that person. And there's nothing like practicing the empathy to help you to understand a little better how they must be feeling. I mean, I'll tell you what, there are times sometimes when I can't remember, you know, a song title or who is singing the song or something. And because I'm hypersensitive to Alzheimer's because my mom had it and it kind of runs in my family, um, I get a little freaky you know, when something happens that I, that I just can't remember something. <laughs> I even tell my husband when those kind of things happen, cause I want him to watch for me and help me, you know, stay, stay strong and everything, you know, but, but I always think to myself, wow, you know, I don't want to lose the ability to remember pertinent information to my life. I don't want to lose the ability to not recognize family members and, and things like that. And if that ever happened, I would be devastated because I know people would be looking at me in a different way. And that's where we get the whole dignity thing. You need to be respectful of where somebody is in their, in their degenerative brain disease 
and think about how they must be feeling if it's slipping away from them. I mean, that just, I, I just, I think that that's a, a really important, important thing. Um, you know, one of the, I could give you an example here. Somebody told me recently that, um, they were going to take their person, their loved one to a, uh, daycare center, you know, for people with, uh, Alzheimer's and, uh, the care partner decided not to tell her mom that they were going to visit this adult day center for the first time and surprised her mom with the fact that, um, you know, she was withholding information from her, but she wanted to, wanted to not tell her because she didn't want her mom to be scared or, or freaked out. Now that's a weird example, but what I'm trying to say is she made that decision to not tell her mom where they were going with some integrity behind it. She wanted to protect her mom and not have her mom have a meltdown on her way to, to go to this day center. When you make decisions and, and you're doing something with that person, like, uh, not telling them that they're going to a memory unit until it's time to go or, um, you know, talking to other family members about their condition, maybe, and you aren't talking with them right up front. I think a lot of times we're dealing with the integrity of the situation to make sure that we don't upset that person's apple cart, that we don't, that we don't, uh, unnecessarily unnerve them or, or make them feel bad about themselves. Now, some people get upset about this and say, well, maybe I'm lying to them. I think that therapeutic fibs and, and telling people or not telling people information just needs to be made with integrity. Have a reason behind it and stand by your reason. And if it's in the best interest of that person, there you go. It's like, there, there you go. You've got the knack for this whole thing, right? That's what I'm trying to talk about today. It's just, we, we try too hard. We strive too hard to be perfect or to be patient enough or whatever it is. And I think you need to, you need to let that go. You know, it's all, it's all about kind of finesse. It's like the art of finesse. When you're trying to respond to a difficult situation, right? You want to be uh, you want to be subtle in your approach. You want to be skillful using some type of technique. You know, making sure that you're entering a room quiet or you know not quietly. That you're making some noise or singing a song or or whatever it is. You want to be tactful so you don't scare the person or let them see your face uh, with disappointment or anything like that. You want to be, you know, very, uh, very timely. You want to make sure that you are timing your, your response to somebody in a better way, acting instead of reacting, you know, uh, approaching something instead of responding to it. I think those are those little tweaks that we can make in our approaches that will make everything easier. It kind of bridges the gap, right? Um, It's, it's really difficult. I think for, for people to forgive themselves for when they haven't made a good decision. Um, When they, when they feel like nothing they're doing is right, the person is totally reacting to them, they're nervous, they're angry. Uh, You're nervous, you're angry, and you don't know what you need to do to curb that. Just trust yourself. I tell you, I spend half of my days on the phone with people who are so worried about the way that they dealt with something, you know? Just just use that little bit of finesse to, you know, try to answer someone as best as you can when they've asked you something 15 times. They don't remember. I, I did a show once where I was talking to a person that had the diagnosis who said, I realize uh, that I've asked a question more than once by the look on my 
husband's face because he he gets this angry look on his face. And, you know, the guy said, I don't mean to, I don't mean to do that to her, but I just can't help it when I get frustrated. So give yourself a break. We all get frustrated sometimes. We don't always act on a situation. Sometimes we react. It's hard. It's just hard. We're doing the best we can, and you're going to be okay. You know, if you make a mistake, it isn't like the floor is going to fall out from under you, and you're going to fall in a, a big tunnel or something and get swallowed up. You know, you just have to do the best you can to love your person, show them that empathy, make decisions with integrity, and and move on, right? So I want you to just, just to kind of recap this. Knack itself is the art of doing difficult things with ease or strategies, techniques, whatever you want, whatever you want to call it, okay? And the things I was just talking about, be well-informed. Try to put yourself in their shoes. Respect their basic rights. You know, they deserve to be loved. They deserve to be cared for. They deserve your attention and compassion. Maintain your integrity, right? Try as hard as you can. Try some finesse. Try to try to temper the way that you are providing that care with strategies and techniques and being tactful and not uh, just reacting to everything. It's easier to get forgiveness than it is permission <laughs> in just about any case. I, I don't know why I laugh at that, but it is kind of funny. You know, it, it's better to do something and and do your best at it. And if you don't do well, say you're sorry. Ask for forgiveness, right? If you lose your temper, just ask for forgiveness. It's okay. They're probably not going to get mad at you. The person with Alzheimer's or various dementias, they're always worried they're a burden to their loved ones. They are always worried about that. That's a common thread. So if you just do something wrong, you react and you get mad or you snap at them or something or you lose your patience, just ask for forgiveness. It's okay. Use common sense. Use common sense when you're working with them. If they're asking the same question over and over and over again, they have an unmet, unmet need and you need to figure out what it is. I've talked about this on many, many shows, right? The way you communicate with someone is paramount. When you walk into a room, put a smile on your face. Make yourself known. They're going to feed off of your energy. So having a skillful communication is huge, right? And maintain your optimism. Give yourself a break. Stay positive. Don't don't take things too serious. You really don't need to do that. Another thing, have reasonable expectations. If you are trying to get them up in the morning to, to get going, don't cut time short. Make sure you have an extra hour to you know, get them ready, get them some breakfast, getting, get them up and moving, getting them in the shower. Um, set realistic expectations. If you can't do that or you don't have enough time, rushing a person with, with any type of dementia is a completely bad idea. <laughs> I'm just telling you right now, it's an absolutely bad idea and it will never work for you. So, you know, be realistic. I, when my mom was alive, we told her jokes all the time because that was something she always did throughout her life. She was a really funny person. So try to never lose your humor. I mean, try and stay as happy and positive as you can. I promise you it will work well for you. Uh, being, um, being grouchy and bitchy, crabby and all that kind of stuff, you'll get that back tenfold. <laughs> you will. You'll get you get back what you give. So think about that, okay? Um be spontaneous sometimes. Come up with an activity 
you know, uh, just to do around the house or something that's not necessarily planned. Let them help you with an idea, like like fixing a dinner or putting a menu together or something like that, right? And be flexible. If if whatever activity you're trying to do isn't working, move on to something else. Take a little break. Take, you know, I always say, call it pause to care. Pause a few minutes to let them get their self together or, or gather their thoughts before you push the second or third step of whatever, you know, uh, activity you're trying to do, like like baking or something. And if they seem to get overwhelmed, just calm it down for a few minutes. Get them a cold drink. Uh, reread the recipe. Whatever it takes, right? Be non-judgmental, too. The, the point of an activity, any activity, anything that you're doing with that person is to see if you can engage them. It's never how well they can do something. It... Uh, uh, it, it just makes a big difference if you are not judging their performance. You're just asking them to engage. And you're giving them love and props and kudos for joining in. I mean, I, I think those are the—we forget to value those little moments when we have some clarity in a situation. You know, you try to get someone engaged in looking at a photo album and all of a sudden they're trying to figure out who people are in the pictures. Don't let those little moments pass you by. Don't let them pass you by. Value the moments that you have when they are loving and sweet and joyful and inquisitive because you don't know how quickly that can disappear on you, you know? So anytime you're doing anything, giving someone a bath, getting them to the doctor, helping them with their lunch or whatever, try to maintain your confidence. We, I tell you, I get more calls and more emails from people who question their ability their, their confidence is so low. Their self-esteem is so low. I want you to maintain your self-confidence. It matters, you know. Pat yourself on the back for things that went well and stop kicking yourself for things that didn't. I, I, am, I am disturbed on a lot of levels with uh, caregivers that call me on a regular basis that lack self-confidence. That's kind of what brought this up today. You know, I, I feel like I feel like caregivers are just too hard on themselves and they don't know how to get up out of that. And they think that there's got to be some better way to do things that they're doing, but not giving themselves enough credit for just having the knack to be able to do something. I just, you know, like I said, that just kind of came to me. I, I just kind of started thinking, you know, I, I heard it the other day. Somebody said, I have a knack for that or something. And I was like, you know what? That's a good way to sort of uh, bring this full circle and tell the caregivers and care partners that I work with that there's no magic cure. There's no magic, you know, potion. There's no body who's better than somebody else in trying to figure this out. Trust yourself. You'll be okay. All right? When in doubt, use that person's life story. I've said over and over and over again on these podcasts that people go back in time. So knowing that person's story, their life story, information about who they are and and jobs they used to have and stuff like that, that will give you more clues into how to care for someone than anything else, honestly. I mean, I tell you what, if you can just take a little walk down memory lane with them, I think you'll be pretty amazed at how much they can recall from their history. So again, that's information that's at your fingertips. You don't need a book for that. You don't need a guide. Just go through an old photo album Call some family members and get a little bit more information about them. It can make a big difference. And in that same realm, you know, connect with them on a spiritual level. Are they, um, 
Are they people that were Catholic or Jewish or, you know, Buddhist or what? whatever it is? Understand their spiritual needs because that could bring a lot of comfort and joy to them and bring them back to who they are momentarily to make your caregiver job a little bit easier. So, you know, I've given you a couple of ideas about how to care for them, but make sure that you're taking care of yourself. Take care of yourself. Get that hot bath. Clean a room. Take your dog for a walk. Whatever it is, figure it out. Do something for yourself. Go get a massage. Have dinner with a friend. Have a cup of hot tea. Okay? Try these, try these different things. It will make a difference. And always plan ahead. Always plan ahead. I said that in a show a couple of weeks ago. If you don't plan, you know, make a plan to succeed, you're going you're gonna to plan to fail. That will happen every time. So I want to, I made a list of these things and I want to get down to each one of them. I made, I just kind of rattled a few things off and I was writing them down as I was talking. So I'm going to, I'm going to get into some of these. So like the no, you know, it's easier to uh, ask for forgiveness than get permission. You don't realize that you as a care partner know sometimes that decisions have to be made for that person, right? You have a knack for that. You know that interacting with that person and trying to discover what cognitive abilities they have that are intact is not easy. You you don't know if they're going to fly off the handle, if they're going to get angry, um, you know, throw dirty clothes at you or, you know, whatever. And you might, if, if, if they're struggling or you need to change their shirt because they've gotten it dirty or you just need them to get in a shower because they haven't had one for a few days, you can, you can take the blame for that and say, oh, I didn't mean to spill this on you. I am so sorry. I am so sorry. Just apologize for whatever misunderstanding there is that helps you to accomplish getting that bath or shower, getting them out of those clothes they've been wearing for three days. It's a super, super easy thing to do. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, I'm going to explore using common sense. That was the next thing on my list. Living and working with Alzheimer's and other dementias can often be challenging. Summit Resilience Training provides education, utilizing non-medical approaches for those who work with our friends affected by dementia. Believing families still need one-on-one assistance, we provide classes which help them understand the diseases affecting their loved ones, offering strategies and techniques for success with activities of daily living and working with confusing behaviors. We offer in-home assessments to clarify symptoms of dementia diseases and help families work together to find moments of joy while living with memory loss and impairment. Education programs instilling person-centered care philosophies are offered for professional caregivers working in communities and homes, which can be customized for their staff. Training is also available for first responders, such as law enforcement, fire, and EMT personnel. We are passionate that people with dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and others, are approached with compassion and understanding, and those who work with them have all the tools they need for success. Call us at Summit Resilience Training, 303-420-6988 to schedule a class or in-home assessment. Visit our website at summitresiliencetraining.com for more information. Welcome back to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. Okay, so we're back, and I hope I'm clearing up just a little bit. Like I said, I I am not sick. I had an allergy attack uh, every day for the last month because I'm getting work done on my house, and they are spraying dust everywhere, and it's absolutely killing me. So I was joking with Brian, my engineer, uh, during the break in commercial that um, I shouldn't say anything with an N because that's going to have a problem for me. But I think I'm clearing up a little bit now that I'm in the studio. (laughs) All right. So back to what we were talking about. So 
care partners, caregivers with NAC, and K and AC, K, they exercise common sense. If you have the knack for something, you can figure it out. That's the, that's the bottom line, right? When you have a knack for being able to troubleshoot something, you can figure out a simple solution to a complex problem. It, it helps. You know, it, an example of common sense ideas that you could try are like um, eliminating caffeine when the person has sleeping problems, right? Don't give them a bunch of coffee. Not a good idea. especially if it's not decaffeinated. So you think about things like that, right? Or you make an extra set of keys in case, you know, uh, they walk off with your keys and and take off. You have one in a hidden place on your front porch. Um, Having your person wearing an identification so that if they wander out of the house, um, you'll be able to find them, right? Sharing a photograph. Take a photograph every single day of the person so that if they wander off, you can find them. That's the knack I'm talking about. Being able to come up with ideas. I I tell you, I, I just want you to understand you don't need a caregiver guide. You don't need that book of, of all the answers. You don't. Trust yourself. You can do this. It matters. And and so, you know, it's just an old saying. It's just an old saying. When you have a knack for something, you can figure it out. And I want you to trust that. And I, especially like in the communication part department where I was talking about, you know, being able to, to speak skillfully to somebody, cueing them to... to um, Complete whatever activity you're trying, you know, using verbal, tactile, or, um, uh, you know, any kind of skills like that, where you're where you're trying to guide them to what whatever activity you're trying to to have them do. Like if you're g- getting them in the shower, um, and all of a sudden you say, "Well, do you need to go to the bathroom?" and they say, "Yeah, I guess so," or they have wet themselves. Then you start taking your their pants off, and then you take their socks off, and then you take their shirt off, and say, "Oh, well, while you're while you're." Um, undressed like this and we're getting you changed, why don't we jump in the shower and get you all cleaned off and turn the shower on while they're sitting there on the toilet. Let the water run. Doing things like that are things you would find in a book, things you would find in a how-to. We can figure this out. We can figure this out. I, it's, just, it's just befuddling to me that that we don't trust ourselves to read somebody's body language and to understand that that's something that we're actually pretty good at. We can tell when they are getting anxiety. We can tell when they are understimulated and they're, they're doing nothing but sleeping. We can tell when they're overstimulated and they walk out of a room. I think in the book of how-to's, those are things that would be in there. We just have to trust ourselves. Skillful listening, just listening to what they're saying, talking to them about how they're feeling, telling them how your day went, just being in the moment, being in the moment, give a hug, sit down and open some mail together, color in an adult coloring book, uh, Watch a TV show together that's funny, you know, something like that. Listening to how they feel. The best care partners really try to help that person communicate better. Isn't that what we're all trying to accomplish? Yeah. So guess what? You're probably a really good care partner. You're a good caregiver, whatever you want to call it. I don't care. We maintain our own optimism. We do something, we snap at the person, we get a little angry or frustrated, and we realize it. We're enlightened. We're enlightened. So when that happens, say something nice to yourself. Wow, I caught that. (laughs) That was good. I realized that I was angry disproportionately. I shouldn't have... um, I shouldn't have pushed whatever thought 
whatever I was angry on, I shouldn't have displaced it onto the person that has the dementia. When you're enlightened on things like that, when you catch yourself, give yourself some kudos. Be positive about it. We don't need that book. You've got it. You've got it. I want you, during this time I'm talking today, I want you to think about the things in your life, the 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 examples that you could make about how you maintain your hope, how you maintain the hope of the person, how you make the day brighter with just a hug or making somebody breakfast or, or waking them up with some coffee. Um, those kinds of things matter. And instilling optimism in yourself and the person that you're working with can go so far. And we just don't even realize the power of positive thinking and how far it can carry us. And I tell you, so many of you out there don't even recognize the beautiful, positive things that you're doing every single day. That's why I'm pointing them out. (laughs) I want you to, to really embrace and, again, enlighten yourself to the good things you're doing throughout the day. The good things you're doing to change the atmosphere and the trajectory of, of um, how the day is going, right? Write these things down. When you do something well, when you catch yourself in a moment of anger and then you apologize for it, write it down. If you were very patient during a an activity that you were doing with a person playing cards or something like that and they smiled and they they seemed happy, write that down. Write write your own journal. Write your own how-to journal for yourself. And then someday, if you meet somebody that is now down the road that you have traveled, you're going to be much more knowledgeable and be able to say, hey, I tried this and it worked. And it feels really good when you can do that. I love when I'm teaching my classes or I'm helping a family and I add examples of ways I've worked with family members, my mom, my sister, my brother, and I give real-time, real-world examples It never fails at the end of the class. Someone will say to me, what I loved is that you gave us practical information that we could actually use and apply. And it helped when you gave examples of something you've tried before so that they they get that buy-in. You know, they get that buy-in. And so as you're questioning yourself on what you're doing well and think you need a manual to guide you further, just remember that if you were to jot down throughout the day the things you had a knack for, you would probably have enough to publish your own book. I love you out there, Caregiver Nation. I do. I think you all are awesome, but it it makes me sad deep in my soul, seriously, that I would say 9 out of 10, 90%, feel like they're not enough. They're not doing enough. They're not caring enough. They're not loving enough. And that is not true. You know it's not true. You know it's not true. And for those of you who are hearing this right now and it's making you emotional, and I know I'm going to get some emails from some of you, I want you to I want you to embrace that. You are enough. You don't need to do more. You don't need to do it better. What you need to do is learn as much as you can and then try to apply it. And if you can do that, you're doing great. And when you set those realistic expectations, like I was telling you, allowing enough time to get the person ready, preparing the room when you're getting ready to do an activity, 
being spontaneous at times. These are really good things. And when we are angry and when we are frustrated and when we feel like we're just exasperated and we can't go on and then you say something or do something that is hurtful and you apologize for it, look what you've gained. Look what you've gained. Stop being hard on yourself. Don't forget to laugh. Think of funny stories. When I tell you, laughter through tears is one of my favorite emotions. So when you can make something funny out of it and say, well, that was really stupid of me, wasn't it? <laughs> I just got soap in your eyes and that was, that was a dumb thing that I did and I'm really sorry. Or you can put extra lather in their hair or even in the kitchen making hot chocolate or something, you could spray some uh, whipped cream on your nose or something and have fun with it. Go outside in the snow and make an upside down snowman. Do something funny. Make a joke. And even if they don't get the joke, if you laugh, they will laugh. And good feelings and laughter are contagious. <laughs> it's right there at your fingertips. It's right there at your fingertips. I'm telling you, I'm speaking to you right now. You're listening. You know who you are. You've been too hard on yourself. You've forgotten to laugh. You've forgotten to forgive yourself. You've forgotten to be spontaneous. You are trying too hard to make everything perfect, and we don't need perfect. We don't need perfect. We never need perfect. We need to make sure that we preserve the dignity of the person and that the things you do for them come from a good place in your heart. And that's all anybody can ask. If you are, if you are trying to do your best and it's coming from a place deep inside your soul and your heart from a good place, don't second guess your decisions. Don't second guess them. You, you have to do what you have to do. I see, I see a lot of the second guessing when people are having to take over someone's finances, when they are having to, you know, really accept the reality that this person can't live by themselves anymore and you're having to make decisions and they're angry at you. And that's when a lot of you second guess yourselves. Should I be doing this right now? Am I doing it too soon? Um, I made a promise that I would never put my loved one in a nursing home. All these kind of things come into play and they make you second guess yourself. Try not to do that. Try to try to say, I, I made this decision with this person's best interest as my focus and I've used integrity in my decisions on their behalf. And let that be enough. Let this all be enough. You don't need to kick yourself. You don't need to second guess yourself. Keep your, keep your positivity. Keep your resilience. The whole reason I call this show Dementia Resilience with Jill Lawrence is because the whole explanation, the whole definition of resilience is overcoming obstacles and adversity to find a positive outcome. You do this a hundred times a day. <laughs> you have more adverse situations than anybody can shake a stick at. As long as we're talking about knack, we might as well throw in a few more silly little sayings, right? Really, you need to start looking at the things you are doing and saying, I'm enough. This is enough. I'm doing the best I can. Not in a negative way. Like sometimes people say I'm doing the best I can as though they're being judged. I'm doing the best I can. Leave me alone, right? No, no, no. From a positive place. I'm doing the best I can. 
I'm showing patience. I'm being flexible. I'm, I'm growing more flexible as this disease progresses. I'm trying so hard to stop being rigid and inflexible. And I'm letting my loved one work at their own pace. I, I'm trying to do that every single day with my sister. I'm letting her go at her own pace. I'm trying to, to let her do what she needs to do so that she can stay focused and, and have a, a good life. I'm, we're not there to monitor every moment. We're not there to be their judge and jury. We are not there to be a perfect human who does everything right all the time. What we have to do is be non-judgmental. We have to be loving. We have to be compassionate. And we have to um, do those things for ourselves, not just for that person. Be compassionate about your own caregiving work. Be non-judgmental about the way you acted or reacted to an issue that happened today or yesterday. Uh, try not to tell everybody when you think you've done something wrong unless you can use it as a teaching moment, okay? Not as a self-deprecating moment of, oh, see what I did wrong today. I, I, I'm worried about my caregiver nation out there. I'm worried about all of you because I feel like you're not valuing the moments that are beautiful. I feel like you are not maintaining your self-confidence. I feel like you're losing your positivity. COVID sucks. It has put us in a place we never thought we would be. Some of us have been stuck indoors uh, against our will or our or our want and the caregiver role just got exponentially harder and 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 y'all are suffering i'm telling you i i my phone is ringing off the hook i get yesterday i got a hundred emails in one day actually over a hundred from all of you out there and this is what got me going on this subject today. And I didn't care if I came in <laughs> and I was sneezing from all the dust and all that kind of stuff. I needed to talk to y'all today because we've got to get it back together. Okay. We've got to get it back together. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to look at what we are good at and what we, you know, can do intuitively. What, what do we have a knack for? right? What do we have a knack for? And, and, and make it work for us. Make, make it more apparent to yourself that you're doing a good job. And positively, once again, I'm going to say it again, you're enough. You're good. You're doing, you're doing what you can. And when you have those self-enlightening moments, and you have those, those times when you can look back on something and say, I could have done that better, you just get stronger and you just get better. If you, if you think you know it all, that's when you're going to be more disappointed. I'm not asking you to say that you know it all. What I'm asking you to do is say to yourself, I'm doing a pretty good job here. I have maintained my positivity today. I found some humor in, in this. I've been patient. I've been loving. I've been compassionate. Well, my friends, uh, now that I have finally cleared up and I can pronounce ends pretty well, <laughs> it's time to go. But I would love to hear your feedback. I would love to know from all of you, instead of the emails and the phone calls of what you're not doing well, I want to get, I want to get a phone call saying, Hey, Jill, I tried this today and it worked. I showed more love and compassion and patience this week than I have in 10 months. And it felt good. I realized today 
that I'm a good caregiver and that I'm doing enough. I'm doing all I can and it's okay. And if I fall short, um, nobody's going to crash my house into my house and kill me. You know, I'm not going to burn in hell for being a terrible caregiver. <laughs> you, you guys need to send me some happy letters about things you're doing well that are, are self-enlightening and that are feeling good to you. And some of the, I, want, I would love to see a list of 10 things that you have done extraordinarily well or learned from or felt like you've had a growth in your development as a care partner over the last couple of months and what you were doing well. And I'm going to put those together, and I'm going to post it on my website, and we're going to be encouraging caregivers all over the world that they are good and that you are wonderful, awesome, tired, but really courageous, fabulous people. And I recognize you. I see you. I know you're doing well. And I love all of you. I really do. I love all of you. And I'm not saying that I don't want to get your letters and, and, and calls where you need help. But just for February, in the month of love, send me some letters and calls and, or just write them to yourself. Write them to yourself in a journal and then reread them maybe a, later this month of all the awesome things that you did just by valuing the moment and just being the best person that you could be with the person that you're caring for and you love. Okay? I want to I want to see that. And then we'll celebrate that. Uh, just like I did my uh, letters and poems and things that people wrote, I will sh I will do a show where I just share all the cool freaking things you guys are doing out there. Okay? All right. Awesome. Well, I love you all. Caregiver Nation, have a good rest of your week. And I will see you next week on Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. And I promise no sniffles. You've been listening to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. To learn more about her resources, services, classes, or to book speaking engagements, visit Jill's website at summitresiliencetraining.com. A new podcast drops every Tuesday, so join us as we learn more about dementias, resilience, and overcoming obstacles to find a positive outcome. Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz can be found on your favorite podcast provider. Please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Musical and technical support provided by Brian Hunter. See you next week.